All right, guys, welcome back to the Short Story Long Podcast. I'm your host, Sam Derrickson, joined by my co-host, Andrew Dial. What's up, guys? I'm um, coming back for another podcast tonight, late at night, getting one of these uh, guys recorded for you. Um, what's new with you, Dozer? Uh, what's new with me? I had a uh, air compressor meltdown, I guess, last week, trying to get stuff done. Got... got uh, Got a new air compressor, which that was some money I did not want to spend at all. Maybe you should back up a little bit. All right. Want to talk about why you were hustling in the garage? No? I I don't know where you're going with that. What have you been doing? Cutting brackets? Oh, yeah. I've been cutting brackets and stuff. Just metal shop stuff. Just going hard with peace lily work? Yeah. I got kind of surprised um, by one of my customers. Kind of decided they would take multiple months of inventory right away so started hitting that hard and honestly my air compressor was used when i bought it in 2019 and i've done nothing but just run the crap out of it so it's been knocking for a year it's like one of those like <clears throat> it's been knocking then it like blows up it's like what who could have seen this coming kind of on borrowed time so to speak yes it didn't owe me a dime that's fair so that and uh, Easter was last weekend and been doing some turkey hunting and I've always had a theory. So we have a like a half acre field in the middle of the big woods and my theory was and it's worked out is if you just sit there, don't call or anything, eventually during the day, a turkey's going to walk out there and I killed five turkeys five years in a row doing that. And then last year I didn't kill one, but I only hunted one day and I brought Wyatt and he wanted to leave. So he left at eight o'clock and there was turkeys in the field by eight ten on the cell phone cameras. Damn it. Uh, and I like say that was when we were taking over Jedco. So I only hunted one day that year. And then this year I've hunted two days and my theory has not been playing out. So you're going to go back out and call or what are you thinking? Uh, well, I'll probably go back out. Wednesday and just continue to test that theory. Gotcha. So, yeah, your air compressor story, you called me to see if I had one. Right. And uh, you ended up getting one from someone else, which is fine. I'm, I'm happy for you. There's I also did, another customer and family member, so. I didn't even have one for you. I would have bought one if you had one. But uh, just today on the loading dock, I haven't uncrated it yet, but it is probably the biggest vertical air compressor that I'm ever going to see ever. Yeah. Um, the picture online, they're all the same size, right? And I, I read the specs and all I was concerned about was CFM and price because that's all the customer was concerned about was CFM and price. And he has a sandblaster from me that requires an enormous amount of air and he has a Curtis 80 gallon, which is a 26.9 SCFM at 175. It's a monster air compressor and it doesn't even have any hope of keeping up with that sandblaster. I got a Curtis that'll keep up with him. So I tried to buy yours and put it in his shop and Jared Sarver told me there's basically no way without getting three phase to make that work. The, the motor to make it work was going to be $10,000 or the phase converter to make it work was going to be $6,000. Like just not worth it. So I basically bought him the largest single phase compressor in the world. I'm sure it's 120 <laughs> gallon. Holy cow. Um, and it, so the air requirements that I need are rated at a hundred PSI. And I need 45 CFM at 100 PSI. This is 39 CFM at 175. And it's a 120-gallon vertical air compressor. And I didn't read the gallons. I just read the CFM, like I said. You're like, this will do. And uh, so Brent texts the group, who ordered a 120-gallon air compressor? And I'm like, some idiot that's who <laughs> yeah what kind of idiot orders I'm like who needs a 120 gallon air compressor I'm like wait a minute is it a legacy and he said yeah and i get back to the loading dock and it is i mean in the crate like i said i haven't uncrated but it's like seven foot tall nice and it's you know probably a 60 inch square pallet that it's on i mean it's it's a monster so looking forward to getting that set up that's gonna be pretty cool and it's a it's a quiet it's got like a built-in 
air dryer and a muffler built in. So okay. it's supposedly super quiet. That's probably like a 10K deal. Uh, no, it was only like 7,800, nine, oh, eight, eight grand, somewhere right in there. Essentially free. Yeah. I mean, for what it is, I mean, you'd legit have to have two $4,000 air compressors to come close to doing what this is doing. Um, so, I mean, I don't know. I'm excited to see it. Every, everyone that I've told about it said, there's no way that's single phase. There's no way you can have a 10 horsepower single phase motor, not real. Well, it's a 10 horsepower, 240 volt single phase motor. So how many you, amp is it? A lot. A lot. Yeah. So jury's still well, out on if we're going to get this sucker to work or not, but. Yeah, I, uh, so everybody who listens probably thinks my claim to fame is this radio show. It's not? It's not. No, it's the fact that I have probably one of the biggest piston-driven air compressors in the tri-state area. I, I would I would definitely agree with that because when you bought it, it's an FS Curtis, and I called my FS Curtis supplier with the serial number and part number. And I was like, Hey, just curious, you know, my customer has this older compressor. Is there still parts available? He's like, that's not right. That, that, that can't be right. The part number, that's, that's not right. That's an, that's a pretty old compressor. And it's like, it's huge. Like it runs a whole town, you know, basically. And, uh, I was like, well, here's a picture. He's like, dear God. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's the right compressor and we can still get parts for it, but they're special order. So Sam is bragging about his, vertical or his vertical air compressor at seven foot tall my horizontal air compressor is seven foot tall <laughs> it's on a pallet but still <laughs> but uh so when we were running the metal shop full time we need we had a job that required a ton of sandblasting and you know just like your customer experienced we were out running our five horse 80 gallon pretty quickly yeah and I got on Marketplace. I was like, I, you know, I'm broke business person. Need to find me an air compressor. And we had three phase at our shop, which really opens up the market as, and as far as cheap, big air compressors. Because they don't have a big market because no one really has three phase. So three phase right. equipment, you can get picked up a lot cheaper. So <laughs> I find this air compressor. It says um, 240 gallon air compressor three phase, 25 horse. And it's a picture of it up against like a bare wall. Okay. And looking at the picture, I would have assumed it was about the size of your average air compressor, right? Right. Like six foot long, maybe. Maybe. You know what I mean? So I get there. It's seven foot tall, seven foot long, and three foot wide. It will air the 240 gallon tank up from zero to 175 PSI in 45 seconds. And that's, that's not even a joke. That's I'm moving. 100% serious. That's moving air. You got to keep your small children away from it. It's the like internet. a seven and a half inch bore on the one side of the, the compressor. The first stage. So I, <clears throat> when we kind of backed the metal shop down and moved it back home and took over Jedco, I still kept that air compressor because, you know, that's, that's what I, you know, show to people. So that's my claim to fame. Andrew Dial. So, so rounding that out, when we were talking about it's impossible to run something like that on single phase, I had the dream of bringing it out to my house and putting a gas motor on it. Okay. So that so, was. So I'd be curious to know because they rate electric motors in horsepower. So you said that was a 75 horsepower motor, I think, is what Jared said. 25. 25? 25. Is that all? Yep. 25 three phase. So. Like how does how does electric horsepower compare with gasoline horsepower? And it's I, it's I gotta assume, be in torque because I, I don't mean, know, you've you've got the special website we could look that up <laughs> in duck power or something. It was only it was only distance. Oh. Like, um anyway, so like I would assume it's gotta be a torque thing because like a 25 horsepower V-twin lawnmower engine, there's no way it'd spin that compressor. So like a 25 horse gas motor is 25 horse at 3,600 RPM. Right. This is 25 horse at 1,750. Mm-hmm. So I would assume... You and, would, and zero. From zero to right. 1,750. So I would assume you would need something in the tune of 50 horse gas motor running at 1,750 or... Well, you could probably use like pulley it. Sure. You could probably take a 25 horse gas motor and run it at 3,600 
and just change the pulleys now that I think about it. Yeah. So I I would assume the Harbor Freight 22 horse would probably get it done. I bet she'd burn some gas, though. But then then you get into your clutching and all that. I, we, I'm guessing you could buy... I mean, they make they make gas-operated air compressors, so there's got to be some clutches out there or something to, to do that. Sure. I don't know if they'd go big enough, though. Be interesting. Be interesting little project, but it'd be way easier just to hook it to three-phase. Well, not at my house. It'd be way, way easier just not to use it. Well, that too. That's so... It. Then I was going to sell it and use that money to buy a razor. I had this like 55, 60 year old guy show up and he's like, this is a lot bigger than I thought it was. Apparently the same, you know, same thing happened to him. Same thing happened to him as far as taking photos. And he goes, I've only seen one bigger than this before. It was off a battleship. Yep. I was like, okay. And, you know, he holds his arms out in a circle. The cylinders are this big. Uh, okay. And he, he looks me dead in the eye and he goes, it was so big, it was four-phase. Yeah, none of that <laughs> pussy three-phase. Yeah, stuff. and I was, so I called my buddy Jared, who's an electrician. I was like, please tell me four-phase isn't real. He's like, absolutely not. <laughs> not even such a thing. So uh, <laughs> he pulls out his phone and takes a selfie next to it. <laughs> He goes, I got to be in the picture to show people how big this is. So he only had single phase and he thought for sure he could make it work. Have you heard so, back from him? No, no, not at all. Probably will not. The air compressor, I was asking $4,000 for it. And that was probably worth double the vehicle he was driving to get okay. there. Okay. So if anybody out there is looking for an obnoxiously large, extremely high capacity air compressor, Hit us up at askshortstorylong at gmail.com. We'll get you a really special listener discount. Yeah, that's right. That's right. We'll get you something real nice. Real real nice. So even if you never hook it up, uh, it, you can just show it off to people. That's what I do. And then, so Dozer's claim to fame can now be yours. That's right. The, the biggest, biggest air compressor in the tri-state area. The other thing I'm super proud of is my at-home forklift. I'm not sure which one I'm more proud of, but... Having a forklift at home is the kind of flex that is kind of unrivaled by many people. Yeah. I mean, like, there's a lot of, like, dad flexes out like, there. Like, it's like the, the niche group, you know, the, what's a flex to a niche group? Yeah, like, forklift certified since 98, baby. Mm-hmm. Um, and you have a NC press break at your house, which is also another niche yeah, flex. Yeah, flex. Um, so, I mean, I, I mean... In some cert- certain circles, you could be considered to be quite the baller. I mean, what kind of life events have to happen for, you know, to have the giant air compressor and at-home forklift? So you just never know where life's going to take you. It's a wild ride. Just hang on, right? That's true. So we got a listener email, and the individual that emailed in is excited for me to read this and i haven't read it yet so it's a blind react for both of us i'm I'm doing the buckle up motion all right so from travis he's a listener shout out he says just finished episode 26 and wanted to chime in on the bucky situation so he is from texas as a texas resident for 10 years i can tell you it is a staple in the state of texas and most certainly originated there It just recently, as of the last few years, branched out into other states like Florida, Tennessee, and there might be one under construction in Missouri. Anyway, it's a fight on site if you trash talk it. (laughs) (laughs) Noted. Glad I, which I I wasn't trash talking it, but I was not, I wasn't singing its praises either. Um, As far as it being busy, that's just because that location has not been open that long, but typically you can walk into one just like a Casey's gas station here and get whatever you need. Cool thing about the ones in Texas is they have tons of fuel to choose from, including ethanol free for boats and small engines. And they also have def at the pump for diesel guys, which I did see they had like four ethanol free pumps and all the RV guys were going there. Um, if I'm on the road and see one, I stop every time. Just a little tidbit about Bucky's. The more you know, keep up the good work. And for God's sakes, get Brent Wallace on the podcast, which... Full disclosure, I invited him tonight. He was getting off of work, 
about the time we started to record this podcast. And he said it's too late. He's got to go home and go to bed. So I'm not sure how old he is. I think he's like 29 or 30, but he acts like he's 80. Didn't you try to schedule something and he gave us the date of like September? Yeah. That was the next he time said, he was He free. said, get, get a hold of me on a Wednesday or a Thursday in September. I was like, okay. Which I mean, he's I not did. even a listener, so I don't even know why I care. But I thought he was. We gave him the eggs and everything. He he's listened to a couple, but he'd he'd rather listen to Tom Brady's podcast because apparently he's way cooler than us. So it, he probably there's probably a lot of his days probably ate up taking care of that hair, you know. Yeah, it's and Scott takes, takes a lot of time. Yeah, between his hair and Scott, yeah. his plate's pretty full. Uh, understandable. He does have three kids. I mean, yeah, that, that's that's got to be something too. I suppose so. Oh shoot. Oh, I did not think we were going to dive into the old air compressor talk that much. You never know what you're going to get here. So back to your turkey hunting. I got a a little bit of a a sad story. Okay. You went turkey hunting on Saturday. Oh, yeah, yeah. And not to our semi-annual... Altima outing at the uh, the swap meet. So how I thought this was going to go down, I thought I was going to pull my huge and have a turkey shotgun down at about 8 o'clock. And all I would do is miss breakfast and just join you to go to the swap meet. Did not happen. It didn't happen like that. So that's kind of sad. I'm surprised my father-in-law didn't show up and go with you. I didn't even text him. I didn't text a lot of people, apparently. So... <laughs> He, uh, my, I, I did invite the entire listening audience of 17 people to go with me. Speaking of listening audience, my UPS driver showed up last week and he's like, he's like, Hey, like what's, what's on the podcast next week? What? Oh, yeah. Nice. And then one of my customers, his employee, we were, I was selling him hats and we were having kind of like a conference call and he said, I need to get a hold of some dude out of Mount Zion that restores, only restores 1969 Z28 Camaros. And I've heard of this guy. So I have his phone number. Okay. And we're supposed to have him on the podcast. Okay. I don't know if he ever would show up. I don't uh, know why he would. Ricky Robertson told me about him. So they were telling me what this guy does. And he bought a 69 Camaro that has the original tires and brakes on it. Okay. It's got like 20,000 miles. How many zeros do you think were on that paycheck? A few, I'm sure. Yeah, I have no idea, but I bet that was not cheap. Right. But he restores them to like concourse. And they he was trying to find, what was it? It was like the, oh, the caps that go on the bleeders. Okay, of yeah. Your brakes. Uh-huh. He was trying to find some and they needed to have a certain color of overspray on them. Okay. And he was saying when he paints the stripes on a car, you can't mask them off. When they painted the, the, the rally stripes from the factory, it would get overspray in the engine bay. So whenever you're, whenever you're redoing these cars and bringing them to shows, you have to have overspray on your engine if it's got stripes. Really? Yes. Like they look for that stuff. And uh, so that reminds me of a story on one of my Mopar pages. A guy posted a picture of like very, very close up of a part number on like a black piece of rubber. And uh, he was explaining how he'd been searching his whole life for this part and he finally found it at a swap meet and basically like he can die now because he found this part and you know 100 likes or whatever and all the comments like congratulations i'm so happy for you and i am just bewildered have no clue what's going on i said forgive my ignorance but what uh what is this part and he paid an astronomical amount of money for it and Turns out he had a, I don't know, 71 Hemicuda, and it was the NOS trunk seal. So a 50-year-old piece of rubber he was excited to pay a bunch of money for because it was an NOS part for his restoration. And they sell them for like $100 on the internet made with 
new rubber that's arguably probably a better material that's not going to leak. But at, at that point, I realized like I never want to own something that requires that level of detail. Like your overspray thing, like what what is the point behind making every little detail so perfect that you, you can't even use the vehicle? You know what I mean? Like like if if the goal is to make it like factory so much that you sacrifice multiple things to make it worse than it should be. You know what I mean? Like most people would not want overspray on their engine, but you purposefully make it shitty because that's the way it was. Yeah. And that, I mean, some people just find that stuff interesting and I assume like the challenge, but those cars after they get done, aren't being driven. Right. I'm sure that guy has cars he drives, you know, to enjoy, but it's not the ones that he worries about getting the OEM bleeder covers for. There's a couple guys that sell, uh, NOS oil filters for mm-hmm. Mopars and it's a 60 year old oil filter. And the idea is you get your car to the show, spin off a good oil filter and spin on this 60 year old oil filter because it's correct. And then you can't start it because it'll just, the cardboard will just disintegrate inside the filter. <laughs> But you just spin it on there for looks while mm-hmm. your car is being judged, and then you put your actual filter back on it to load it up and take it home. That's why other countries hate us. And and uh, and Nick talks about that on his podcast about the illusion of the illusion uh, of too much money. The illusion of too much money. We invent problems like like in in third world countries they don't have emissions because they're just trying to get their work done. Like they they just want the son of a bitch to run. Mm-hmm. and and you know get food on the table or whatever but we have too much money in america or the illusion thereof and we just have to invent problems to be worried about like what color our bud light cans are exactly well i was reading a book a couple books by the uh, by a guy named jim corbett and he hunts killer cats in india or hunted he was he he lived like late 1800s early 1900s mid 1900s okay and he was a, a a white guy in india but it was a india was a british colony and you were not allowed to have guns except for certain people and he was one of those people so when like jaguars and and cheetahs and stuff would would eat you know like terrorize the village he would show up and shoot them. Okay. And he wrote books about it. So where I'm going with this is he writes in one of his books, he does one book called My India, which is just about India and like less about killing man-eating tigers. Okay. <clears throat> and he said the poor people in India are some of the happiest people on earth. Okay. Because they they don't worry about stupid stuff. Like if, if they've got food for the day and water, they're happy. Okay. You know, they don't have to worry about their cell phone bill being wrong, about not not finding their cell phone charger, about their air conditioner going out in their house. Like they just as long as they can eat that day, happy to be alive. They're happy to be alive. Right. And I I thought that was kind of an interesting thing to look, you know, just a different perspective. And perspective is everything. I mean, you can extrapolate that forever. I mean, we talked about that on Allie's podcast about, you know, how these people thought this single wide trailer was just the greatest thing ever and something we'd turn our nose up at. But speaking of Allie's podcast, yeah, are you ready to drop the bomb? Oh, well you do it. Okay. So That's we, my drinking. <laughs> we have been tirelessly, mostly dozer and the Pakistanis and the, <laughs> and the Pakistanis have been coming up with our logo to put on shirts. So we have officially done a logo on shirts. We have select sizes and colors that uh, we have been having Jedco make for us and they've printed them up. And if we do say our so ourselves, I think they look pretty good. 
Um, so I will be sporting one of those this weekend, I am sure. Uh, if you're interested in one, get a hold of us. Uh, we're going to try and give them out to our guests. So maybe that'll like, I don't know. I think we should do a merch store. It, yeah. So that's the other thing. That's on Dozer's end. He's got all these fancy computer things where like if you want the logo on something, we can make that happen. So uh, taking suggestions on that type of stuff. But uh, so far we have a few shirts available. And uh, I do have one specifically set aside for Zeth and obviously ourselves. And I was told today that if Kyle doesn't get one, he'll never be on the podcast again. So have to get Kyle one. Okay, so, we'll have to find one an extra squirrely for him. <laughs> so uh, super excited about that. Um, I mean, it you really... Think boss man would wear one of our shirts? Not a chance in hell. <laughs> not a snowball's chance in hell. He might wear it like mowing, maybe. <laughs> he doesn't mow, though. Oh, yeah, that's right. So, no, he would not. Well, no, he does. He mows with his brush cutter on a skid steer. Gotcha. But he, he would have previously attended some business function 30 seconds prior to that brush cutting, so he would not have a chance to change into his short story long podcast t-shirt. So, what we did is we had a big liquidation sale on inventory. And Sam showed up. He's like, why don't we do some of these for the podcast? Well, at that point, we had sold all the good shirts <laughs> for nothing, basically no money. A day late and a dollar short. So we picked through and got a bunch of yellow and green shirts. Shirts nobody wants. Then we put our faces on to make them even, even less worse. desirable. <laughs> so we started, if, if you notice the thumbnail for the... Uh, for the podcast is me and Sam leaning on two engines. So we've got some overseas artists that redo art and stuff for really reasonable. And I sent him that picture and said, please redraw to where we can, you know, it's print ready art. And we got back the absolute worst renditions of me and Sam's face ever. So Sam's over at the refrigerator getting a drink. Otherwise I'm sure he'd be chiming in. But I sent Sam a Snapchat, I zoomed in. I was like, I paid $45 for this. And Sam called me just dying laughing. I have only recently stopped laughing about that, by the way. <laughs> I have a copy in my office on the wall. <laughs> oh, I, I have a copy as well on my wall. I think we'll make that the cover photo for this podcast. So we also have a uh, lady locally that does some graphics work contracting for us. And I sent her the stuff from the Pakistanis and she fixed it up real nice to where we have something usable. So, but I will say I printed some shirts for my kids and gave the shirts to the kids today. And uh, what you got going on over there, Sam? <laughs> What is happening there? <laughs> I uh, have not previously tried this drink. It is a uh, Crook and Marker Organic Espresso Martini. And I'm I was trying to see if it needed shaken before being opened. And as I pull the huggy down, it says 10% ABV. Oh. So it was a, it was a little bit of a shock little, to the system. A little stout. <laughs> anyway. So Laren holds them up and goes, Emma, do you know who these people are? And she's like, no. <laughs> Damn and, it. And Laren's like, it's your dad and tool man Sam. She's like, no, it's not. <laughs> Shit. So. From the mouth of babes. Shout right? out to Jed Cooper for amazing graphics. <laughs> In your defense, it was not Jedco's art team that did that. Oh, shoot. So we we got whatever we could find for free under the back table at Jedco and printed our faces on them. Yeah. So uh, I think we'll have to do Huggies for sure. Yeah. Get get a hold of us. Well, are we giving these away? Are we trying to sell them? Are we uh, them the away? ones that were free, I think we should give away. And then we need to get sizes and stuff. People like where we actually have to spend money, more money. So if anybody's, I guess we need to get a shirt up on the internet or something and see if people want to buy these. And if there's enough interest, we'll do a store. Sure. Sure. You got to pay for this podcast. We could do tumblers. 
Tumblers? Okay. Tumblers, Huggies. As we're on the verge of like not doing this show ever again because we've run out of stuff to talk about. Right at the time we dropped the merch. We, uh, (laughs) merch drop. (laughs) (laughs) We, uh, need to do better about planning. Life is kind of hectic right now, but we need to. We got a lot of ideas. Just getting them in motion is the, is the problem. Yes. Because we don't think about this podcast until approximately an hour before we do it. Well, I was thinking of it like an hour and a half before. So it was because you were a half hour late. So what does that mean? I'm just, just saying. So anyway, uh, back to car stuff. Uh, the, the swap meet was pretty cool. I was happily surprised at the number of vendors that were there. Um, lots and lots of motorcycle stuff there this year. So that was kind of cool. If you're into motorcycles, um, I was able to get a power wheels for dozers kids and they are driving the balls off of that thing. Well, the wheels were already half off, so they they will be fully off here shortly. Um, I got some pit pal stuff for Kyle's new trailer. Um, got a super good deal on that. Basically got like $700 worth of pit pal stuff for 250 bucks. So that was pretty cool. Nice. Um, and then, so if you remember the story about the Nuggy Slayer, my 98 Chevy, um, when I, when I spilled the drink, mm-hmm. I sold it to Sherwood. And literally like two weeks after that, somebody gifted him the Igloo Cool Rest. Did I tell you about that? Maybe. But... So the, it's from the 80s, back when you could drink and drive and not go to prison for the rest of your life. <laughs> Igloo made a cooler that went on your bench seat and made it a center console you could use as an armrest and it was you open the lid and put your beer in there and there was two cup holders in the front of it and they bring just stupid money on ebay and uh i go in the pavilion in the inside deal and there's one sitting there and super long story short i got it bought very reasonable and i was just going to put it up on ebay and make some money but now i'm thinking it should probably make its way into the dart because there's no cup holders in the dart so I got to get the dart over here and see if it'll fit in there, but I'll show it to you after we get you done. Should. Yeah. I still um, haven't seen your lifters for your Hemi. They're at, Crossroads. they're at Crossroads. Got it. So, so that was that. And then speaking of Hemi. Oh, whew, sore subject. Uh, today was a uh, rough day. Today was a roller coaster of emotion. Okay. Um, so firstly, we got registered for Mo Party. So um, that is coming up this September. September, I believe. Um, but Mo Party is the Holly thing down in Bowling Green, Kentucky. Yeah, September 15th through the 17th is uh so they have LS Fest every year, and then they had Ford Fest, which is like I think a couple weeks after LS Fest, which is those are both really well known. And then they did in between the two, they have Mo Party. And I will say I've been there twice. I skipped last year. We got registered this year to go this fall. And Holly knows how to put on a good show for spectators. Um, There's been some, I guess, griping about the drag racing side of it. And some people in our circle that drag race are a little less than pleased with the drag racing side of it. But in Holly's defense... They're used to putting on shows for people who've never drag raced before that just have, you know, an LS swap this or that or a Corvette or whatever, and they just want to go put down a quick ET. Well, what they didn't realize, in my opinion, is that Mopar guys are legit bracket racers, and they, you know, they've been bracket racing for 50 years, and they know how they want to race, they know how a race should be run. So when Holly just kind of pulls something out of their butts to put it together, they didn't really cater specifically to the drag racing crowd. So uh, that's it's been getting better every year. But anyway, we got registered for that. And then uh, Kyle texts me, hey, did you, uh, did, have you talked to my old man yet? Oh, no, Kyle, I haven't. I was getting ready to go there a little later because Dozer actually went up to Nate's and got my heads back for me. And was going to get those put over in the crossroad shop so we could 
slap the old Hemi back together and get her back in the GTX. Well, apparently over Easter or whatever, Dean was making mention that he needed to talk to me. And the four scariest words in the English language are, we need to talk. Um, so I get there and turns out my crankshaft for the Hemi. Oh, and run us through it with, with voices and everything. With voices and yeah, everything. so you walk into the shop. Put us in the moment. So he's sitting on the concrete floor, just sitting, Indian style, on the floor, smoking a cig. So, you know, Winston just lit up. And, uh, Samuel, how's it going? Like, well. Depends not, on how this conversation not goes. Not too bad. I was told I needed to talk to you. Yep. You need to come check this out. I was like, what's the bad news? He goes. Well, you just got to come and look. And so he's like, I got the bottom end tore apart finally. And uh, didn't like what I found. I was like, okay, here we go. Said, I got to spend more money, don't I? Yep, you got to spend some more money. And uh, he takes me over there and he's got the crankshaft sitting there by the engine. And uh, essentially what had happened is it was assembled incorrectly. Um there was far too much in play in the crankshaft and that was causing two issues. The first issue was the oil leak. That's why the rear main seal was leaking because the in play in the crankshaft and uh, they were not afraid of the silicone gun. There was silicone all over that motor. Um, and he was like, I'm going to clean all this up. You know, they did this wrong, did this wrong, did this wrong. And uh, essentially the other side of the deal was the, actual thrust bearing in the middle of the block was eating into the counterweight in the middle of the crankshaft. And there was about a 16th inch deep groove cut into the counterweight and the radiuses and everything on the mains were just not good. And one of the uh, rod pins in the radius had what looked to be a repaired crack. And uh, essentially it's just no good, just junk. Basically, not worth, not worth fighting over. Just get a new one. And uh, turns out the grit in the oil pan was the counterweight of my crankshaft. So, um, not. I mean, I'm I'm two for two on uh, self machining engine parts on uh, on my Mopar stuff. So, um, your other one's still working out a little bit. Well, I mean, to be honest, I mean, it ran. I mean, yeah, it ran, ran when pulled. So, um, it just, I don't know, just another blow, no more money. And, uh, got to pricing crankshafts and lead times and everything. I went to Effingham regrinding and he told me you're going to have five, 600 bucks here. And it's like a maybe. And he's like, if it was like a grain truck motor or something, I'd say, okay. But if it's going in a car, even though it's a street car, you're going to romp on it. I know you will. It's just, it's not something I'd be comfortable repairing. So just, if they're available, you know, just get a new one. Like, it's one thing, because, and one thing, I went through a little tour of the old Effingham regrinding mm-hmm. shop. It's very, very, very impressive. Just all the vintage iron in there, um, which I've talked earlier about going to Jansen's garage and seeing the old tractors and stuff. Mm-hmm. Well, they do a lot of the machine work for Jansen's garage on and like, these old blocks with Babbitt bearings and stuff. And and they they pour the Babbitts and machine them. And just like, there's not a machine in that shop that's younger than the owner who's in his late fifties, early sixties, probably Uh, probably his early sixties. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But it's just, I mean, and it's just machine after machine after machine. And like, I knew what most of them were, but I mean, there is probably a dozen or better machines in there. I've never seen before. Don't know what they are. They do something. They have a purpose covered in an inch of dust, like probably hasn't been turned on this decade yet, but he knows he's going to need it at some point. You know, I mean, it's just cool right. as hell. And you told me that he had stuff that gets shipped in from all over the world. Cause he's kind of unique in the fact that the type of work he does. So anyway, I thought it was cool. You know, I, I have a lot of respect for anyone who owns a business that turns away my business. You know what I'm trying to say? Mm-hmm. Like if I come to Jedco and I was like, Hey, I want, you to custom engrave this uh podcast board or whatever you'd be like dude that's not what we do you should probably go do something different like i can point you in the right direction like 
I have a lot of respect for the business owners. Just like, I don't want to take your money. Like I want to give you the best product for your money, you know? So I was happy that he said that to me. So back to square one, looking for a crankshaft, looking at pricing and uh, looking at lead times. And I'm heavily leaning towards a, uh, you know, a stroker crankshaft. I knew it. Because since she was, I need <clears throat> bearings and rings and stroker kits come with bearings and rings. Um, so I talked to Rick Willenberg tonight and he said the same thing. Kyle said the same thing. Dean did not. Dean said just buy a crankshaft, but I, I was going to, I was going to revisit it with him as far as cost is concerned, because when you add it all up, it's not a whole lot more to go with the stroker kit. Um, the caveat being, according to Rick, make sure you can do internal oiling with a stock pickup and you don't need to do any block clearancing, which that's, I'm a hundred percent on board with that. I do not want to do any block clearancing or external oiling. And, uh, the, the nail in the coffin was in the group chat that I have with, uh, the Gebhardts and Sherwood and all those guys. Um, I was explaining this and, uh, Tim said, you know, I'm on the, I'm on team. If it breaks upgrade, don't just fix it. You know, I was like, okay. And, uh, so I, you know, basically explained the cost difference between what I need, what I need and what the stroker kit costs. And my girlfriend goes just buy the stroker kit. And of course, all the guys in the group chat are like, oh my God, oh my God, she's a unicorn. You know, and I was like, and she goes, well, just fix it right the first time be done. You know, if it's a little bit more money, whatever, just get it done. And I was like, well, it doesn't really need, it doesn't really need the stroker kit. It's kind of like when you tell your girlfriend, like the car really needs this exhaust driven alternator to function properly. And it's actually a turbocharger. Um, but at the same time, like, I mean, has anybody ever regretted having more power? Exactly. So, and see another thing you haven't considered, which you brought this to my attention on my tractor axle on what to do was the value of the parts you have for resale. Keith black pistons and H beam rods with ARP bolts. Right. So, I mean, there's probably several hundred dollars there, if not a thousand. Right. So sure. honestly, it's, same, same. Money ahead. Yeah. Plus or minus $500 either way. But when it's like, I, I don't even know what to equate it to, but it's like a sunk cost kind of fucking scenario where like, I only pulled this engine to fix an exhaust leak on the exhaust manifold. Since you was. And it's been snowballing rapidly since then. I mean, it's got new brakes, new steering. You, you pulled it to put new exhaust manifold gaskets on and you got new rear brakes in, <laughs> in the deal. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, if you have experience with since you was, please email in cause we're going to do a whole episode. Yeah, which about is, it. Since you was going to do this, you might as well do that. And that's, you, you gotta be real careful there. It, it snowballs in a hurry. That's the reason Samuel's 440 and his dart has used bearings in it. Cause yep. he knew if you put new bearings in it, it's getting a stroker crank. Well, that the same argument that I just said two minutes ago, that stroker, you said that to me, stroker kits come with bearings. Because yeah. I, I dropped a rod bearing in oil dry oh. underneath the motor and yeeted a freaking shop stool out into the driveway with my broken freaking toe. Oh, do you remember when I got super pissed at my mom and dad's working on um, my Jeep and I slammed that like two pound sledgehammer down on the ground and it bounced across the garage and went into the trash can? I do remember that. Who would have thought? That just a big chunk of iron would bounce like that. <laughs> it was thrown by a considerably sized man. <laughs> that so, was probably intoxicado. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So, anyway, that's the situation on the GTX, getting ready to spend even more money. Um, but, I mean, you can't take it with you, right? That's, hey, I remember when you were redoing your dart after I first got married. I was like, dude, you're spending a lot of money on this. And you looked at me and go... You said, I'll go to work and make more tomorrow. That's right. I mean, yeah, like we go to work every day to have toys and, you know, to live. 
and have toys. So, I mean, the the alternative is I don't have a car to drive. You know what I mean? Like, you got to do something. I can't just not put it back together. So, I mean, here we are. Just We're just doing the damn thing. I don't think you'll regret having it. The stroker? Yeah. So where we're at right now is I'm waiting on a call back from Mancini's. Oh, you want to go into how you cannot find any Gen 2 Hemi stuff on the internet? Yeah, I mean, a little bit. So uh, if you search 426 Hemi, which is how I typically search for Hemi parts because there's so many Gen 3 Hemis out there, which would be your 576164 type stuff, that if you type into Google 426 Hemi camshaft or whatever like that's where you're gonna find gen 2 parts well come to find out a 426 hemi you know in the last 10 years doesn't mean a gen 2 anymore it means a stroked 6.1 that's what everybody wants is a gen 3 hemi stroked to 426 cubic inches so mancini racing is what i would consider a boomer website I mean, they've been in business for years and years and years, and they do all kind of stuff for old Mopars. They do new Mopar stuff, too. Um, so they had a stroker kit available. 440 Source did not. Um, Indie Cylinder Heads is even more of a boomer website because every link takes you to a PDF of oh, their the catalog. catalog. Um, so I have to search for parts like a boomer and get a phone number and call. Um, which is arguably the most efficient way to find parts for a 426 Hemi because I spent about 20 minutes today researching or attempting to research. I even put in Gen 2 Hemi stroker kits and you find something like, okay, this makes sense, you know, whatever, looking at the looking at the parts list and everything, and then it gets down to the crankshaft details and it talks about how many teeth are on the tone ring. Like, uh, well, this is obviously Gen 3 because I do not need tone ring on my right. Gen 2 Hemi. You know what I mean? So it's tough. Uh, it's 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 out of my wheelhouse. I, I kind of like I've been learning as I go with this thing. And uh, the other thing is when you go to like your strictly performance type sites, um, since the Gen 2 Hemi is the base for every super high performance application, then you get into all of your custom stuff, like your top fuel motors, your big pulling motors, anything that's going to have dual spark plugs and dual distributors and forced induction and everything. When you start talking aftermarket parts for 426 Hemi, you're either stock or 5,000 or plus horsepower. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. it's it's very, very difficult to, to, to find exactly what it is that you're looking for. Like, can't, I mean, the camshaft selection was the same way. I mean, there was a couple street cams. There was like the thumper cam like I ordered. And like you're talking 450 lift to 500 lift. And it goes from there to 800 plus lift. Like, hold, hold on. Like, like let's, let's, let's cool it a little bit. You know what I mean? Like we're not, we're not trying to build a top fuel motor here, but it's, it's just a struggle. So that's kind of where I'm at with it. Yeah, my my neighbor, he's an old school hot rodder, and he used to buy cams for his 351 Clevelands from the place that made them for Ford Racing. Uh-huh. And he brought me over an old Ford Racing, or like an old book of cams, and some of the 351 Cleveland cams were 800 lift. Yeah. That's, I mean, I guess... When you're talking an NA motor, they they kind of pulled no punches when it came to trying to get more air. I mean, VE is is what you're talking about. Volumetric efficiency. The more air you can get through it. I mean, all an engine is is an air pump. Right. And the more air you can get through it, the more power it's going to make. So, I mean, it's kind of cool to think about the, the history of high performance and, and like all the kooky stuff they tried trying to get more power out of stuff. And the the things that change over the years, you know, they say like the time the valve is open is more important than how much lift it is. Sure. Now. And, right. Uh, one of Nate that builds tractor pulling heads was telling me about the Miller effect. 
So they started grinding cams to open the exhaust valve too soon because it would drive the turbo harder, make okay. more powder. Okay. Power. So just, and you, you look into like that sloppy mechanics and how they get stock bottom end stuff to live all goes on where you put your timing in, where power comes in. And they're talking about like making transmissions live, like where you shift your transmission makes a big deal. And it's just super interesting. Like things you would never think of if you're a tuner, you know, that has to go in to make all this stuff live. Well, yeah. When you're running stuff at the very ragged edge, like every little detail matters at that point. Yeah. So now that I am slowly transitioning into a boomer, um, I need to get myself some white New Balances ordered. Yeah, and stay uh, some, away from them electric cars. Some jean shorts, and if this GTX don't jump a Coke can, we're gonna have some serious <laughs> yeah. problems. We'll pull that hit me out, put a BBC in there. So, uh, I don't. Uh, the 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 next concern is it's like it's a domino thing. So like, I was arguably on the high end of the cam selection for a stock bottom end going stroker like the camshaft might be you know okay you could arguably go a little bigger now doing the doing the stroker but now running all the numbers for the cam with the stock bottom end the carburetor that was previously selected like is it going to be big enough so Wednesday, I'm going to run the numbers again. Like, if I do decide to go with the stroker, how many CFM carburetor do I need at that point? And then, so we had previously selected an 870, which has vacuum secondaries since it's a street car with an automatic transmission and an electric choke. Can you get, and I haven't done this research yet, can you get a 900 plus CFM carburetor that A, is vacuum secondary? I don't freaking think so. And B, is it going to have a choke horn on it? Also, don't think so. Um, and if it is available, is it affordably priced? Like, are we talking Dominator type money? Are we talking like some custom built carburetor type stuff, which is not a road I want to go down? And then, you know, if it's a CFM issue, but you could arguably put a smaller carburetor on it because the CFM is only important at, you know, your top RPM and like, I'm gonna. I'm not gonna spin it five, five, six thousand RPM routinely like I'm drag racing it. Like it's gonna see it once or twice a day that it gets driven. You know, if I'm showboating, hot rodding, whatever. But if it is a CFM issue, like, do you put a great big carburetor that is arguably not streetable because there's no uh, idle circuits that are you know right, or there's no vacuum secondary, or there's no choke horn. Or do you just buy a high CFM fuel injection throttle body? You know what I mean? Like, where like where do you make that distinction at? I would stick with the 870. You think so? Yeah. Did you just like run you some said, math? No, not necessarily. I'm just looking. 870 is the biggest second, you know, vacuum secondary. Okay. And I'm sure that would be enough for under certain RPMs. Like if it if it starts to cut out at fifty five hundred RPM, it wouldn't even cut out. It would just the the power band would taper off, right? Right. I mean, yeah, it, it would just it, kind of flatten out. Yeah. Quit pulling. So it it would be fine. I'm sure. I'm you know we have not discussed running two smaller carbs. Well, that's a thing <laughs> that requires another thousand dollar investment in an intake, as well as if I'm going to forfeit the tuning help from the Mopar Godfather, I might as well put fuel injection on it. Yeah, that's true. I would just run a single 870. I'm sure you'd be fine. Because he, he told me, because uh, I asked him when I first got the car, because we were at Moparty, and there was a couple 2-4 intakes for him. He's there for sale decently reasonable. And when I say reasonable, less than $1,000. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, should I do this? What do you think? And he's like, well... Um, the first issue you're going to run into is you got to buy two carburetors. Like, okay. And then you got to buy a super expensive air cleaner to fit two carburetors. Okay. And he said, and then you can forget about asking me to <laughs> help you tune it. And I was like, all right, I just sealed the deal. You could have yeah. led with that. <laughs> Save some breath. Oh, shoot. So, yeah. Um, what else has been going on? Anything? 
I feel like there's something else I was wanting to talk about, but I don't remember what it was now. Yeah, I uh I don't know. Anything? Nothing? Nothing, I get. I mean, I've got stuff written down, but I'm wore out at this point. So What do you what are you doing when you go home? I guess I'm gonna go home and cut the jack stand or the jack off a trailer and fix it. So as of right now, at the recording of this podcast, Dozer has officially decided he would rather be a Razor passenger than a Razor driver, right? Mm-hmm, that's correct. So I believe the decision was made to not purchase the Razor. That's correct. And in returning said Razor to its rightful owner, he ripped the jack off of a trailer that needs to be reattached. Remedied. Luckily, he has Peace Lily Metalworks on... Uh, on standby for that project. So that's good. And then uh, at the time of the release of this podcast, I may or may not own my uh, 22nd Jeep. Oh, yes. So I got another phone call uh, from the guy that sold me my red XJ. And uh, he's like, got another Jeep for you. You want it? I'm like, well, I don't know. Tell me about it. And it's a 98 Grand Cherokee, four liter. That's all I know about it, really. That's all I know about it. And uh, I'm going to go look at it tomorrow and see what the hell it is and see if I need to just come home with it and if it's going to be something that, uh, I mean, the possibilities are endless. Could not buy it or I could buy it and part it out or I could buy it and then resell it or I could buy it and fix it or I could buy it and take it to Chicken Holler and beat the shit out of it. I mean, who knows? Yeah, put you a, put you a four inch lift on there and some thirty fives and come wheel with the Jeep guys. Could do that while I'm waiting on the Comanche to be done. So we'll see what happens. Oh well, shoot! Well, once again, we didn't really talk about anything. Just an hour of talking about nothing. Pretty but typical. Some, some people tend to like it, so we appreciate you guys coming along for the ride once again. So let's see, we covered air compressors. Um, if you are interested, like I said, get a hold of us. We'll make you a super special listener discount. Yes. Um, and then what else? We covered turkey hunting. We covered swap meeting. Poor people are happier. Poor people are happier. Um, new merch. New merch. So yeah, so get a hold of us. If you guys have a, if you guys have a certain thing you want to see our logo on, like I said, we'll put the... Uh, the logo on the we'll put the the bad logo as for the uh the podcast on the facebook machine so um get a hold of us at ask short story long at gmail.com or on facebook at the short story long podcast and uh guys thanks for riding along with us and uh we will see you on the next one see you guys later It's been a long, bumpy ride sitting back in the saddle. It's time to get down, dirty up our knees in the battle. I'll oh, come on, round up the boys, gonna make the walls rattle. Oh, our flag is tattered and our bones are shattered, but it doesn't matter cause we're moving. Ooh. Round them up, round them up, let's go. Round them up, let's go.
feel me now? Do you feel me now? I'm breaking down your door. 